0: Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. The flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare and beautiful of all. The Emperor of China from Disney's Mulan.
1: Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 16. But enough about... Enough about that. Enough about dreary, real-world adult stuff. Let's talk about kinky nerdy Polly things.
0: Heck yeah. Let's get down to business.
1: <laughs> Could you sound any
0: more businessman than that? Let's get down to business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright. Yes, let's get down to business.
0: Because G.
1: And M. Are going to be talking about. Mulan. Yes. And listeners may be wondering. Why are we talking about this subject? Mulan was a Disney film from. Oh, I'll go with 1998. 1998. But I've not looked that up, and...
0: We had to Google that the last time we tried to record this episode.
1: Yeah. Listeners, this is our second attempt recording this.
0: Second attempt. We are so dedicated. Yes. We lost all of that, all of our recording.
1: Yes. Turns out, when your computer beeps at you, you should double check why it's beeping at you. But that's not... Beep,
0: beep, beep, beep. Boop, boop, beep.
1: Yes, exactly, Mbot, Like that. Is there anything you'd like to tell me now that you've beeped at me?
0: Beep, beep.
1: So helpful. Uh, But yes, we're going to be talking about Mulan, mostly about the Disney musical from, I want to say, 1998, and I'm not going to bother checking that, but...
0: And also, we're going to give a little bit of background.
1: We are, because I want to talk a little bit about the historiosity of Mulan.
0: Historiosity.
1: That may be a word I just made up, but I don't think it is. So basically, I did a little bit of research about Mulan, and as far as I can tell, Mulan was not an actual historical figure. Uh, Rather, Mulan was more of a legendary figure, a la Robin Hood or King Arthur. Joan of Arc? No, Joan of Arc is a real person. Sorry,
0: that was put in the notes.
1: I don't know why that's in the notes, but
0: you meant King Arthur. Okay.
1: King Arthur. Because yes. Joan of
0: Arc is a real person.
1: Joan of Arc is a real person. Sorry. Actually lived. Don't For know. For real. Yes. But King Arthur, Robin Hood, these are legendary figures. They may have been based on a real person, but we cannot connect them to anybody. So we consider them mostly legendary fictional characters. And as far as we can tell, the character of Mulan was first talked about in a early Chinese poem, and the story has been told several different times, again, like Robin Hood and King Arthur. Each generation has their own sort of spin on the story.
0: So I did want to go a little bit more into the original story, the legend of Hua Mulan. Hua Mulan, um, And I, I'm not guaranteeing I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I unfortunately do not speak Chinese neither Cantonese nor Mandarin. So Hua Mulan was a legendary female warrior from the northern and southern dynasties period and is originally described in what's called the Ballad of Mulan. So in the ballad Hua Mulan disguised as a man takes her age father's place in the army and in this version she actually fights for 12 years and she actually refuses any rewards and goes back home. And there's very interesting, for me, very interesting kind of history of the name Hua Mulan. So I know that in the Disney version, she's referred to as Fa Mulan. So that actually is kind of reflecting of a reflection of history because the standard Mandarin is um, Hua Mulan, the standard Mandarin, but the Cantonese has the Fa Mulan.
1: Yes, it is a combination of the Cantonese and the Mandarin if i if i actually remember correctly if the the full cantonese name would be fa mulan
0: yep mulan yep exactly so it the cha- name changed a lot and is different in cantonese from mandarin so in the disney version they kind of combined the fa mulan and the hua mulan and so we get fa mulan
1: and also they changed little brother From a human being being. to a dog.
0: Yeah, so in the Disney version, little brother is the little dog. dog, And in the original story, that was an actual brother.
1: Yes, an actual little brother. Weird reference, in my opinion, but, you know, Disney's going to Disney. So I think part of the reason why we want to talk about this, about the story, is I think for both M and myself, this story was... It, it was kind of radical for its time. Or at least the Disney version mo- of the movie is kind of radical for its time. And it basically shows a a transgender experience at a time when that was not allowed on television. Or at least not allowed for a protagonist to be transgender. There are plenty of horror movies from the 80s where there's a transgender villain. but
0: It definitely hits on queer queer vibes for me, gender sexuality. However, I know that it doesn't have to be a transgender reading. So I just want to put that up front, is that a lot of people do read Mulan as just, not just a woman, but a woman, a very accomplished woman, and that she is not trans, that she is just a badass female warrior and she's going to own it. However, like myself, being a transmasculine person, seeing Mulan, um, my, my fascination with her and her experience was something that I felt very similar to my personal trans experience.
1: Similarly, I, I do find it interesting how she switches between being a feminine person and a masculine person and then goes back to being a feminine person. So I'm also interested in sort of her gender fluidity. But again, not everybody reads her as a trans individual, and that's okay. But I do think it says something that as a community we're kind of hungry for symbols like this. We don't get that kind of representation. So even when something is not explicitly about us, if it kind of matches, we are hungry for that kind of representation. Absolutely,
0: we're craving it. In media. Absolutely. So I was always like super into Mulan as a kid and my whole family like knew about my Mulan fascination and like who is that girl I see, right? Like Yes. Those lines from that song is she's staring at her reflection and she's wiping the make off off of her face. And I'm like, for me, I was like, that's me. Yeah. So there is that reading. And there's also another um, interesting queer reading of this story, which is about Shang. Yes. And his bisexuality.
1: Yes. A lot of people see Shang as a bisexual icon and sort of see that he is interested in Mulan both in her masculine form as Ping and also in her feminine form as Mulan. Because, you know, Mulan is a very, becomes a very accomplished soldier and solves things in a creative manner, which sort of attracts Shang's attention before it's fully revealed that Ping is Mulan. It's sort of a Victor Victoria situation.
0: Yeah, you you wanted to explain a little bit more about that. So I know we we've discussed this before, but for those who might not know, what is the So, Victor Victoria
1: is a musical starring Julie Andrews which is about a which is rather succinctly put as about a woman pretending to be a man who's pretending to be a woman. And there's a love interest in the form of James Garfield and he finds himself being attracted to Victor And in what I sort of see as a cowardly story move, rather than just him, like, struggling with it. Because I think it just weakens the story period. Like, even at a time when this kind of romance was not really allowed on screen, it makes for a more dramatic story that he finds himself conflicted over these feelings. But in in the movie, essentially, he sneaks into her uh, sneaks into Victor's bathroom and sees that Victor is actually Victoria and is actually has a feminine body uh, before he allows himself to fully pursue Victor. So, you know, these kinds of narratives have existed before, uh, and it's nice to see in this Disney musical, like, there's this kind of interest that builds before Shang is ever given a chance to know that Mulan is... Fem- is uh, has a feminine body.
0: This also makes me think of a Korean drama that I watched once called Coffee Prince. And again, these themes have been prevalent for you know in the past and in Disney and in other avenues as well. And in this particular drama, there is a guy. His grandmother is pressuring him to date. He opens up a a sort of coffee shop that is he only hires men sort of to attract females there. So. He can sort of have this air of, like, he has all these women around him, get his grandma off his back, and then he ends up hiring a young man, and then basically asks him to pretend to be—I'm sorry, I'm getting the plot confused, I think, for a second. So he hires this guy, not knowing that this guy is actually—well, oh, well, at least assigned female at birth. We don't know much about— their gender, really, but I would say that they identify more on the feminine spectrum, but they just appear more masculine. So we also brought up these themes in like Oran High School Host Club episode, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, oftentimes, shows will play around with these concepts without directly addressing them. right? So it's hard to say for certain whether... What
0: the gender and... Yeah. Of fictional characters are. Right. So he basically tries to almost play... Gay, so that way, like people stop bothering him about needing a girlfriend, and then he actually does start to have feelings for this main character, not knowing that they are. And because they identify, because the uh, the the guy who is running this coffee shop had identified as straight and is now having actual feelings for this guy, he really struggles with his sexuality he's like oh my gosh i am actually falling in love with this person is my attraction different from how i thought it was yes before he even knows that this person is
1: yes which is i mean part of the reason why we're discussing this is because disney is doing a a live action remake of mulan and from all the news that we've heard so far i have close to zero interest in this movie because it is not a musical it does not have Shang, uh, <laughs> and it's basically kind of aiming more towards like a historical action-adventure movie rather than the musical that we had in the Disney animated film. And it does seem really geared towards pleasing a Chinese audience rather than an American
0: audience. Which is also, you know, they're allowed to have their things.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally a valid business strategy. Yep. Turns out there's a lot of people in China, and they like movies. Yeah. So making a movie geared towards them makes complete business sense. Right. But making a non-musical Mulan without Chang pretty much has, like, zero interest for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think... I also have heard that they are not going to explore the gender thing as much. That was something that had been talked about, that she's going to be more feminine throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the position of the Chinese government is that Mulan is a woman. Right. <laughs> so if you're making a movie that's geared towards that audience and particularly towards that government, which has rather authoritarian views on censorship, you are going to follow their belief that Mulan is a woman, so we're going to make... We're going
0: to portray her as a woman.
1: Portray her as a woman.
0: Yeah, so there's going to be less of, like, that reading in my identity to it. Yeah. So a couple other reasons that G and I really wanted to talk about this Disney musical film is, like, I'll Make a Man Out of You is just so singable.
1: I mean, I, I dare somebody to put that song on in the car and not sing along with it. Right. Like, it is... You know, let's get down to, to business to defeat, defeat the Huns. Huns.
0: Yeah, it's so good.
1: Did they send me daughters, daughters when I asked I... for sons? It's so good. I don't want to sing anymore in case copyright, but...
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, we don't want that. But this also, I'll make a man out of you, Shang's like, I'm gonna make a man out of you. That, for me, also, like, reading it now as an adult. Yeah. Yeah reading into it, reading my identity into it, super kinky, and it brings me to one of my favorite fetishes, which I have, forced masculinization. Okay. And I remember when I originally brought this up to you, you were like, I've never heard of that. I've never thought about that before.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I've heard of before is like forced feminization. Right. Uh, so the, I, I mean, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but it's just something I've never like encountered in any sort of Uh, pornographic or kink space of like people either writing stories about or portraying like pornography of forced masculization. It's always like feminization or sissification.
0: Right, exactly. And those things are pretty popular, I think, because they're easy to kind of play on that humiliation aspect, because we normally see feminization as being less than. Feminine is less than, it's inferior, so we can humiliate with that. That doesn't have to be the motivation for feminization. There are people who do force feminization or, or specification in a more, like they know, okay, these are what society is telling me about feminization, but this is part of my kink and I'm going to try to do it in a way that honors, you my, know,
1: my feelings, about my feelings it. about
0: it. But forced masculinization, when I think about this song, like I'll make a man out of you, like, did they send me daughters when I asked for sons, right? Like, very, almost, like, forceful of, like, this. Yeah. And I have always kind of wanted that. Like, I have actually kind of crafted a scene in the past in my head. And then it almost became a reality where I've actually had... I've wanted to do a Mulan scene where I would have someone force me to, like, you know, they would cut off my hair forcefully and... Um, sort of make me, quote, go to war in that sense of, like, having to prove my whatever macho, masculine. It doesn't even have to be macho or masculine in any sort of way. And it could just be a, a some other random trait. I know that a, some people who play on the masculinization thing play more of the um, dumb jock. might be the equivalent to, like, bimbofication, yeah. for example. So that's something that, as an adult, I've also read into.
1: That's super interesting because it's something I never really contemplated before. And we've touched upon this topic before. Like, you can draw inspiration for kinky scenes from almost any source. Uh, It's like satire. Like, anything can be satirized.
0: Anything can be kinkified. And anything can be kinkified.
1: Uh, So, you know, it's... You know, there's all sorts of things you could do with the movie Mulan. You know, there's the forced masculization. There's also, like, the the mentor-mentee relationship that Mushu has with Mulan, like, you could kinkify that. I can think of a couple ways to kinkify that. Especially, like, sort of the bad advice mentor. Oh, yes. That was the walk when... The walk when,
0: (laughs) yes. And the spit, right? (laughs) And uh, grab his... What does he say? Slap slap his ass. Slap his ass, That's how men say hello. (laughs) Right. Like, let me give you really bad advice.
1: Yeah. Like, I could definitely build a scene around the concept of, like, A mentor giving, like, really bad advice.
0: (laughs) Yep, and, like, having you actually go through with it and also see the consequences. So just bringing it back to sort of what we were saying about the trans narrative earlier, it also is a very non-binary narrative, which, again, sometimes transness and non-binaryness can overlap. For some people, that's true. For some people, they don't feel that way. They might distinguish themselves or whatever. For me, being a non-binary trans guy especially, and also as you being a gender-fluid person... This really highlights that Mulan is not going to conform either to the strictly male expectations or the strictly female expectations, and that she is comfortable exploring the both gender presentations. In this case, I say both loosely. So I think as a non-binary person and in a gender fluid kind of context as well. Yes, I
1: think even by the end of the movie, she's still somewhat defying, she's still defying like the expectations of her gender. By asking Shang out for dinner, yes, essentially,
0: yeah, she does
1: because essentially at that point, she's asking Shang out on a date,, uh, which is not how things were done back then, right, and to a certain extent, like it's you know back in the nineteen nineties that still was not the dumb thing, like it was the men who were expected to ask the women out on dates, and while I think that I think that stereotype has has diminished over the years i still think it's somewhat true today in 2019 in case there are any listeners who are listening from the the, future
0: in the distant future at some later point in time yes (laughs) so i also wanted to just reference that there's a great article about the kind of queering of mulan that we will link in the show notes
1: yes so there's a lot of our talking points we pull from this article Uh, we'll make sure to include
0: that in the show notes And maybe we could just go back briefly and talk a little bit more about the bisexuality of Shang. Okay. So I never really viewed it as bisexual myself. Like, I never read him as bisexual. But I viewed him as having feelings for Mulan, regardless of whether she was presenting as a man or a woman. And for me, they didn't have to be sexual feelings. They didn't have to be sexual attraction but they could have been romantic or really emotional. I
1: mean, again, I think this goes
0: back to the fact
1: that there's just like a lack of representation. Right. I will admit, I don't see it myself, but I think there are very few bisexual people represented in any form of media that if you feel that, if, you, if you're a bisexual and you see a glimpse of it, you're going to hang on to that glimpse as much as you can.
0: I think there's one other thing that we should touch on, too, in terms of representation, and that is the lack of POC, people of color, um, the lack of representation there as well. Yeah,
1: I mean, this has been a big thing, especially for the Disney live action remakes of making sure that people of color are representing people of color roles. We no, no longer have to deal with Jake Gyllenhaal being the Prince of Persia. And, you know, I think especially with the Aladdin movie. Yeah,
0: the Aladdin movie. We did see that together, the live action. We did. And that was, I actually really enjoyed it. I know that I got a lot of criticism, but I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Um, I thought it was okay. Like, I didn't think it was bad, but I definitely think there were some really, really weirdly composed shots, but that's, that's something for like a film, film YouTube critique. channel to go right. over. Not an audio podcast.
0: Right. But we did see, like, POC representation.
1: Yes. Ac- yeah. Actually having people of color play Aladdin and the princess and right. majority of the...
0: And the genie, right?
1: Yeah. Will Smith was a person of color.
0: Well, yeah, I just <laughs> forgot who it was for a second. Yeah. Don't worry. I mean,
1: tea, T teases me all the time for not remembering that Will Smith was a rapper.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't know that.
1: I did not know that. I did not know that Will Smith was a famous hip-hop artist before he became an actor. But now I do, and T reminds me all the time that I did not know that. And in the Disney remake of Mulan, they're also making sure to have a lot of POC actors actually play the Asian roles rather than us having to deal with Hugo Weaving pretending to be Korean in that weird movie that I'm forgetting the name of. Which did not look convincing at all. Anyway.
0: Yeah, so I am grateful that like a Chinese actress is going to be playing Mulan. But I also know that one of the critiques is that she comes across as perhaps having like too sweet and delicate of an image. Going back to that conforming to the femininity.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this is... I. I don't know what the demographic was for the original Disney movie because, frankly, I'm surprised it got made the way it did, considering how, at least for us, we, th- we think of it as being a rather radically queer film, which is not at all Disney's brand at the time. But this, this movie is being made for a very different audience. It's being made for a Chinese audience that is interested in, the, in their own version of the story, not the Americanized version of the story.
0: So something that I was thinking of, G, was that, you know, in the original Hua Mulan, the Ballad of Hua Mulan, she's away for 12 years and nobody figures out that she's a woman that whole time.
1: Yes, uh, it is. It seems surprising to us now that somebody could pass as the other gender for so long because we are very familiar with these concepts. But the truth of the matter is, there are just a lot of people who did this back in the day i can think of several examples from the civil war where women went and fought uh in the civil war there was a there was what i thought was a russian but turned out to be a french count who was a just one day announced that they had been a woman the entire time and they were now going to live as a woman for the rest of their life and people honestly didn't know and they're really only able to confirm what their gender was after they had died and they made a special announcement to like yeah turns out this person had this genitalia after all but we honestly did not know
0: yeah we were we were talking a little bit before g about how like for transmasculine people especially it was almost easier to like quote unquote pass not that i believe in passing as a thing but You know, if I could just, like, be like Mulan, cut my hair, bind my chest, and now everybody sees... Because I do that, right? I go out of my way to bind my chest on an almost daily basis and to have... You know, I've cut my hair short. I like it that way. And you don't have to have short hair to be a man. Sometimes I want to grow it out. But it gets me almost frustrated that Mulan gets to do that really simple thing. And then, boy, gee, she's a man.
1: Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, there just wasn't really sort of the, I mean, it happened, but there wasn't really sort of a cultural awareness that it was happening, which makes it a lot easier. So, for example, like, it's fairly easy to pass yourself off as just being a a young man back during the Civil War when you're actually a woman. You know, your features can be, it's like, oh, well, they're not growing a beard because they're just a they're kid. Just young. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And something else that's different between, like, being a trans-feminine person versus being a trans-masculine person is that it's almost harder to pass now as a trans-masculine person because women have gained the ability to present more masculinely in general. So now you have masculine women, which is awesome and Mm -hmm. cool. You can express your gender however you'd like. But because of that, like, people see me and they just assume I'm just a masculine woman or I'm just a butch lesbian. and. I know that in the trans femme community, at least when I've gone out with trans femme folks, they often get gendered bef- correctly, whereas I won't be. And so like, if I grew out with trans femme folks, it'll be ladies. People refer to dresses, as ladies because I think femininity is more marked. So they're playing into the femininity or they're somehow, you know what I'm saying? So the femininity is, because still today, men can't really go out in dresses or makeup. That's, it's still very taboo.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. It has now become socially acceptable for women to not wear makeup and to just wear a t-shirt and pants. While there are more sort of feminine cuts of pants, like the fact of the matter is you can still just wear pants. While there is, with the exception of maybe the kilt, like there is no socially acceptable skirt for a man to wear. And even then, you better be pretty damn Scottish to wear a kilt by most people's standards. I know there's a lot of people who go to renfairs, Ren I was just about to say that. And a lot of people who go to BDSM events wearing kilts. But again, those are very those are very separate spaces from everyday life. And I think in everyday life, if you're going around wearing a kilt, people are just going to expect that you have some sort of Scottish heritage.
0: Yeah, and just like you said with the skirts thing, like you don't see men really going around in skirts. So that kind of makes it harder, I think to kind of break that that taboo. Uh, because femininity is so marked in our culture. And something else that I wanted to mention about the 12 year gap. Or the 12 year kind of like Milan being away in the original story. Versus the short time frame portrayed in the musical. Because they don't really have 12 years. Is that I was thinking, I was speculating that in the 12 year scenario. Those tensions that could develop with her, uh, with the general. Or with some of her... Fellow soldiers, as in like sexual tensions or romantic tensions, might be more prevalent in the 12 year scenario. And that those would be mostly homoerotic and homosexual or homo romantic tensions because they didn't know. Whereas in the shorter time frame that you have with the Disney story, there's also kind of less time for any sort of tension to build. Exactly.
1: I mean, yeah, if if they were telling a story that took place over 12 years, it'd be a lot easier to build that kind of tension. And also, I'd like to remind people, like, just because we don't really cover it in history class, there was homosexual relations back. Absolutely. Uh, The Greeks were famously all about homosexuality. And I have no doubt that if we were able to dig around in enough records, we could find evidence of homosexual relations in some
0: form of Chinese ancient Chinese literature Uh, and all sorts of other sexual orientations probably too probably and even though we might not call them that the attractions might have existed
1: yeah I mean this is this is the thing historians are really hesitant to define these kinds of past relationships even in examples where I think there's like an overwhelming amount of evidence J. Edgar Hoover lived with the same guy for like thirty years and then when J. Edgar Hoover died, he willed his house over to this guy. It's like, uh, I mean, yeah, we're gonna we don't wanna say, but we're pretty damn sure, and especially, you know, if you wanna look at Eleanor Home uh sorry, at uh Eleanor Roosevelt's letters between her oh, yeah, you've always and her talked paramour. About that and It's pretty damn obvious from the letters. Yeah, there is something going on there. right?
0: And I also want to just say, I want to acknowledge that narrative. I want to acknowledge that reading into things in those contexts as well. And that, yes, those, a lot of them were likely homosexual, homoerotic relationships. And also I want to give room for an asexual reading because myself being asexual, I also want to acknowledge that there were likely ace people who had all sorts of kinds of relationships in the past. And we might not be able to really classify. So I know one one critique of those things that you're saying is like the asexual kind of population kind of gets like, well, what if they were just really good friends? Allow space for asexuality. But at the same time, we want to acknowledge that there's also this gay history.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is... Yes, we need to allow space for both ace and gay history. I think it is fairly... It was a lot easier to be able to live as a bachelor or as a uh, spinster. I was trying to think of the correct historical term. It was a lot easier to live as a bachelor or as a spinster than to live with somebody else of the same gender. I think it would be a lot easier to be ace in the past just by allowing yourself to be a bachelor or a spinster. Rather than trying to find a companion to live with.
0: I might disagree with you, but that might have to be a whole other episode.
1: Yeah, that that could be a whole other episode right there. But I think we've talked enough for talked enough about Mulan today, and hopefully we'll have more episodes in the future. This is M. This is G.
0: Don't be afraid to love how you love, love what you love, and love who you love.
1: If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast. You can find us at KNPPodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. I was like, look, if I'm struggling,
0: just... Just let it go. Let it go.
1: Be like Elsa. Let it go. Don't let, let it hold go. it back.
0: Let it go.
1: Yeah. Can't hold me back anymore. Okay. I don't I forget the lyrics after that. Uh, something about going through a door.
0: Is that what it is?
1: It rhymes with more, so
0: So it's a possibility.
1: I least. think so.